Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast. This is your host, Timmy Douglas, and the goal of this podcast is to create a community that inspires action, accountability, celebrates progress, and helps people make the right connections to take that next step towards their dreams and goals. If you're looking for any one-on-one coaching to pinpoint your purpose and start taking steps in that direction, make sure to contact me on my website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, or on social media. On that note, let's get into the show. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have John Miles, who is the founder and CEO of Passion Struck and the host of the Passion Struck podcast. So, John, how are you doing? Tim, I am doing so great. And I just wanted to tell you, I've had a chance to listen to a number of your podcasts, and I think you're doing a great job with your show. So congrats to you. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Well, awesome, man. We'd like to jump right in. So if you could start with just telling us a little bit about yourself some of the things that you like to do for fun, that'd be great. Well, I know you're sitting there in Austin today, and I actually um, sat there a decade ago before I made the move to St. Pete, Florida, where I am today. So I I now live in St. Petersburg, Florida, which if you're not familiar with where that is, it's in the Tampa Bay area, um, which is now the 11th largest metro area um, in the country and growing almost as quickly as Austin is. So um, we were just actually named the top fastest growing startup community in the country by the New York Times, amazingly. So oh, wow. I think we're getting more and more like you're getting West Coast transplants. We're getting a lot of Northeast transplants. But uh, I moved here about a decade ago um, because I thought having started working in Austin in the late 90s, early 2000s, that the Austin that I loved uh, back in the day when it was small and weird and everything was quickly becoming uh, very different from what I wanted. And I found that St. Pete at that time was kind of like Austin in its most nascent days. So that's what really caused me to move here. And, you know, I love it because I'm all about anything that touches water. So, you know, paddleboarding, just being around the bay, boating, beaches, you know, it has all of that here, natural springs, and so much more. Gotcha. Gotcha. I love it. And so you just kind of spend all your free time on the water when you get the chance. When I get the chance, yes. I love sailing, love boating, uh, love doing anything I I can. It's, for me, just being around the water just kind of rejuvenates the soul. So love being here. I I also love mountains. So, you know, later on, we'll talk about dreams. But you know, I eventually want to reach that point where I can spend half the half the year in the mountains, half the year down here. Mm, gotcha. Gotcha. Well, tell us a little bit more about Passion Struck. Yeah, so Passion Struck is something that I, I started uh, within this past year, but it's been a calling that I feel I've I've been given for a number of years leading up to that. And I think, you know, one of the things that uh a lot of us get are these callings that what we're doing in our lives is not what we're meant to be doing. And that's exactly what happened to me. Um, and so I started this and we are a first of its kind company uh, like no other that is trying to start a global movement of getting people to regain their passion and unlocking a legendary no regrets life. I love it. I love it. And you guys primarily do that through content or is it coaching or is it live events or a combination of all three? 
We do a, a combination of all three. The bread and butter for us is to put out inspiring, positive, motivational, and most importantly, educational content that anyone who, whether they're on the YouTube channel, listening to the podcast, coming to our site, seminars, whatever it may be, that they're getting tips, techniques, activities, actions that they can be taking in their own lives to, to get them from where they're going to where they want aspire to be. Gotcha. Just curious, what did you do before you started Passion Struck? So I am a, a Navy veteran. So I, I served uh, our country, um, went to the Naval Academy. Upon getting out, um, I went into Big Four Consulting and um, led the information security practice for Arthur Anderson, and then later started their high growth mid-market practice, uh, which is where I really started to work with a lot of companies in the Austin area because I was based in Houston. And then um, when Anderson collapsed because of Enron, I went into the Fortune 500 world. I was first uh, the head of enterprise risk and the chief information security officer um, for an Australian top 10 company called Lendlease. So spent uh, you know, the better part of three years uh, in Australia. Um, and, and around the world. And then I went to Lowe's where I was a senior executive and ran um, every single different area of their IT shop from infrastructure to information security, all app dev, e-commerce. Then I was the CIO at Dell, which is what brought me to Dell. And then um, after that, um, I started getting into private equity and was um, a partner in a private equity firm and did uh, CEO stints or COO stints in uh, three or four companies um, before launching this venture. That is awesome. <laughs> that sounds great. Well, I'm glad that you landed on Passion Struck because as awesome as your career sounds, Passion Struck sounds a bit more awesome. So I'm glad you're doing it. And tell us a little bit about your motivation and what gets you up and keeps you going every day with Passion Struck. So, I am so passionate about this because I receive a calling. You could say it's from, you know, if you're non-spiritual, you could say it was from the universe. If you're spiritual, you could say it was God. That I kept getting this message that so many people are becoming underdogs in their own lives. They're complacent. They're in status quo. They're stuck. You know, they're feeling hopeless. They're disengaged. And so I ignored that calling for so many years because I was caught exactly in that trap. You know, I was caught with the lifestyle I had to live, loved my million dollar plus house in Westlake, you know, overlooking Lake Austin. But I realized that I was focusing too much on the tangibles in life instead of the intangibles. Because we all know you can't take the tangible things with you. Um, and I really started thinking more and more about this, that there's so many people who were in my exact position. In fact, if you look at the 2019 Gallup poll of a billion full-time workers across the world, 85% are disengaged. I started to do even more research and realized that the American dream, if not dying, is dead. 
business vitality and entrepreneurship rates have been on a 25 to 28 year decline. And at the same time, the number of people going into companies that have 250 or more employees is on the exact different trajectory, which means less and less people are really pursuing their dreams. And so to me, I could sit here and, and watch this happen where I could do something about it. And that's why I started the brand. And that's what gets me so passionate every morning is, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm being called to serve others and to help them take back this passion and be the catalyst that takes them from having a dream to actually putting that dream into action and deploying it. Gotcha. Gotcha. I love it. I love it. So tell us a bit about your vision for passion struck and your life in general. Yeah. So, you know, as you're doing things like this, you know, one of the realizations I came to um, a number of months ago was, you know, John Miles is passion struck and passion struck is John Miles. I mean, they're, the two are interlinked. And I think when you become so passion struck about something, which is what the whole world word means, I mean, take Michael Dell in your own backyard. I mean, Michael became so passion struck about wanting to find a different way to deliver consumer electronics in the form of the computer, that he was willing to risk it all. He left UT, went on his own. People told him he was crazy. Um, but through that never-ending passion that he has, and I, I know it because I, I work for him, and I saw it you know, directly right there in front of me, it's that passion that he has every day to get up and to do something that allows people to have more power in their life through the use of technology. Similar thing with passion stuff. So, you know, I really am steadfast right now on growing the podcast. Uh, you know, we've had a remarkable launch. Never expected we'd be doing um, over 40,000 downloads a month, have a global audience of over 55 countries. Um, YouTube channel, you know, now has over 400,000 views, um, 200 plus videos on a wide range of topics. So that has been step one. Now we're working on getting uh, the Passion Struck book out, just went to the publisher, which will outline uh, the 12 steps that you can take in your own life to unlock a no regrets life. And then um, working on tools that will help people evaluate where they are on the Passion Struck continuum. Think about this as kind of a Colby index tool but for becoming passion struck. And my biggest realization is in today's society, which is the content society, people aren't paying for information. They're paying for the application of that information. And that's really what our calling is, is to help people who are stuck become passion struck through the application of passion in their life. Gotcha, gotcha. I love that. And so really continue to grow the podcast and YouTube channel, get the book out there and work on those tools to really help people apply the information that you're getting out there. Correct. Awesome. And, and I know you talked a little bit about, you know, that kind of half mountains, half Florida life. Tell us a little bit about that and kind of more of the personal vision you have for your life. And I know they're intertwined for sure. Well, I believe... We are, you know, when we were in the pre-industrial revolution, most people had, 
you could think of them as solopreneurs. You know, back in the day, you had farmers, you had blacksmiths, you had a lot of people who were tradesmen. And then the Industrial Revolution happened and people became factory workers, they became employees and companies, et cetera. I think with the fourth Industrial Revolution, we are now at this point where we are switching more back to, I think more and more employees are going to become self-employed in the future. And so I think that there is a, a huge transition going on. And that's exactly what's going on with me. I, I realized before that I was making the dreams of others come true, but I wasn't making my own dreams come true. And so for me, that's what my focus is now. It's, and I think it should be the focus for everyone. It's what I tell my 23-year-old son, you know, don't make the mistakes that I made early on. The best thing you can do is figure out what you were meant to do and pursue it. And while you're young, you can take bigger risk at doing that. But where I see my life going in the future is, you know, having the flexibility that I could work anywhere in the world that I want at any time and be able to, you know, run my business, but also have the work-life balance that I can do the things that I'm passionate about outside of my work. Because I believe too many of us live in a world where we think of our life as a stool that has one major support under it. And for a lot of people that becomes their career where they put so much focus in one area that they don't focus in other areas. And what I like to, to teach clients is to start thinking about their life as if it's a stool with four to five different supports. You know, and career should be one of them. Relationships should be another. Physical health should be one. Mental health should be one. You know, relationship health, spiritual health, they all come into it. So it's finding for you, what are the different support structures that you need to make your life fulfilling? Because what's going to work for you isn't going to work for me. Um, but, you know, for someone, a whole post could be doing philanthropic endeavors. For another one, it could be something that's all about being um, a sailor and having this passion for sailing. So it's just having that mixture so that you're creating balance. And that's my desire in my own life. I love that. And I also love how you really pointed out that everybody's kind of passion and what works for them is different because I'm a firm believer that when everybody really taps in to that passion and they start working in that, it is what is best for the world. Like, I do not think that it is good for people. Like, say you're really good at something, but it's making you miserable. Even though it's like helping a lot of people, it's kind of like taking away from all that you could be adding to the world, if that makes sense. Well, it is. I think in many ways, the American dream, as it was laid out to most of us growing up, was a self-centric world. You, you know, were taught to get low, you know, land ownership, um, the car, the house, the social status. I think where society is going in the future and where I am really focused on with passion struck is the move from being self-centric to world-centric. Because when you start focusing on serving others instead of serving yourself, you start doing things that benefit society instead of 
benefiting yourself. And I think that's a big problem that we have in society today um, is this whole thing about ego, which begins and ends when we're putting too much focus on self-interest instead of a world-centric focus. Yeah, yeah, no, I completely agree. Tell us a little bit about ego and how you have dealt with it because you've gone from kind of making other people's dreams happen to making your dreams happen, which I think everybody's dreams are kind of rooted in service because that's where we get that fulfillment. So talk about foregoing your ego to be in the most optimal place to serve. Yeah, I believe that the type of leader that we've had in the past is not the type of leadership we're gonna need in the future because the world is completely changing. You know, a lot of the command and control types of structure of leadership um, that I was brought up in, you know, which is kind of what you learn in the military initially is going away because, you know, I'll give you the example when I was at Dell, you know, I had thousands of people in the organization that were spread out on five different continents. I had 15 direct reports 12 of them in separate countries and, you know, trying to use a command and control type of leadership structure just isn't going to work. And, and that's where the world is going. More and more people are hiring freelancers from all around the world to help them with their businesses or even their personal life. You know, you can get a virtual assistant right now from India, Pakistan, Philippines, wherever it may be. So I think when it comes down to ego, one of the most critical traits as you go and start becoming what I call a gardener leader is this idea of being humble. Because I think when we are filled with ego, what ends up happening to us, and I know it happened to me, is you start putting your own point of view ahead of what others are telling you. And when you are a leader, in any capacity, that's when you get in a ton of trouble because you are so convinced about your own personal views that you're not willing to listen to the views of others. You know, and, and that's where arguments start happening. That's when you, know, you get into these things where you think, no matter what, I've got to win this debate that I'm in, or I've got to win this direction that the company is going. And all of that starts with the place of ego. But if you start really thinking about this from the standpoint of being a humble gardener leader and that what you are doing is really promoting an eyes on but hands off leadership style um, where you know what your employees are doing and you're guiding them, but you're not micromanaging them, the ego starts going away and you start becoming more humble in your approach to leadership because you're an active listening mode, not in control mode, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a ton of sense. So would you say for somebody who is really struggling with foregoing their ego, but they're in that leadership role, would you say one of the first things they should do is really work on their active listening and understanding? Well, I think the first thing you have to do is realize you have an ego problem. And that can be one of the most difficult things uh, to do. I, I know for me, um, I was at Lowe's. I was the youngest vice president um, in the company. Uh, my career was on this like rocket trajectory. Um, and one day I had this conversation with a psychiatrist um, from 
Corn Ferry, who was brought in to do a team evaluation. And she said to me, you know, John, what got you here isn't going to get you to where you want to go in life. And I sat there and at, at first, I have to tell you, I'm like, who the hell do you think you are? You know, look at all I've accomplished um, along the way. But in many ways, she was right, because I was leading from a point of, of ego, and I was focused on me and where my career was going more so than I was focused on what I should have been, which is, you know, what are the best things for low shareholders? What are the best things that I could be doing to improve, you know, the morale and engagement of the teams around me? What are the things that I could be doing to be more empathetic? What are the things that I could be doing to display more emotional intelligence? And so, you know, that to me is, I think, a key learning point that many people um, sometimes spend their entire careers not realizing. You know, there's a point where you go from being an individual contributor to a manager to a leader. And I think today, especially in the fourth industrial revolution that we're sitting in, that there, this focus on adaptability equation, emotional intelligence equation, listening skills, like you pointed out, and other things are paramount, especially with the millennial and Gen Z generations that we have coming up who expect a different leadership style to lead them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I completely agree. And man, when you first, you know, your ego stops you from realizing you have that ego problem. So it's a really, really hard step. Thanks for pointing that out. Well, awesome. well I mean, I mean, and I don't want to get political in any way here, but I mean, all you have to do is look at the last president to understand, you know, both the positive aspects of ego and the negative aspects of ego, because it can, when you over display that area of your life, it can cause you to have blind spots in some of the most important areas because you oftentimes are so dogmatic about your approach to things that you're not listening to the advice that you're giving from other areas. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Completely agree. Well, I want to move on to what really caused you to take your first step towards diving into passion struck? Like what was that catalyst? Now I know you kind of said your motivation is the calling that you had, but was there a clear moment where you're like, this is what I'm doing for the rest of my life? You know, I think it, I didn't even know that passion struck was going to be the brand. Um, but when I started, I was, I had another company, um, called Ovesto, it's still in existence. Um, and, and we provide fractional executive support to companies, um, you know, interim CFOs, CEOs, COOs, et cetera. Um, but I realized that I had always wanted to write a book. And so when COVID hit and I had more free time on my hands, I kind of poured all these leadership lessons that I had accumulated uh, by observing these you know, high caliber leaders across all walks of life, whether they were people like Michael Dell, Mark Benioff, Jack Dorsey, Jim McKelvey in the tech world, or professional athletes like 
Vincent Jackson, Sean Springs, et cetera, in the professional world, actors, actresses, doctors. And I started analyzing them and found out that those who reached this level of performance in their life had this common pattern of things that they were doing, which you know, I lay out in the book is the 12 steps of the passion struck framework. Um, but as I was writing the book, I, I did a chapter uh, on this concept of Gardner leadership, and it focused on uh, General McChrystal, a friend of mine, and Keith Crotch, another friend of mine. And Keith, Keith at the time was the uh, CEO and chairman of DocuSign. And as I was talking to him about the concept for the book, he goes, you know, it sounds like what you're describing is that people are so, you know, struck with what they are doing that they're willing to risk it all, whether that's financial peril, relationship peril, personal reputational peril to pursue it. He's like, they're passion struck. And so, you know, I, I took that, those words and after the call, I just went to GoDaddy and I said, you know, what are the chances of passion struck? not being taken, like one in a billion. And the domain was right there. And I'm like, this is what it was supposed to be. So, you know, the next day I filed a copyright uh, letter and um, got, got the brand copyrighted and um, launched it about seven months later um, from that point. Now, would I, you know, I made the choice to do it at that point, but I didn't really know what the first step should be. So I spent the next seven to eight months really analyzing and talking to people about the brand and getting input. And what I realized is that I needed a footing to, to be able to build this community. And I thought about how do I get the word out there about it? You know, there are tools like social media, et cetera, but I'm like, you know, the book isn't going to really sell itself. I'm going to have to push that. So I need to start building a platform for this brand. And that's where the whole concept of uh, podcasting came in, you know, and then I started really researching podcasting um, September, October of 2020. And then, you know, after I'd analyzed it and kind of figured out um, because one, one piece of advice I would give to someone if they're considering being a podcaster is if you don't have a passion for it, I wouldn't even start because as, as you know, it takes a ton of effort to produce, you know, one, let alone multiple shows per week. And you really have to under, understand you want to be in broadcasting. Do you feel comfortable asking people questions? Do you feel comfortable doing your own speaking? But after I, I got comfortable with that, um, I then started doing the steps to prepare for the launch so that, you know, I, you know, ahead of time was already doing interviews with people even before the show was launched, which was, you know, it's, it's, as you know, it's difficult to get guests when you don't even have a show. Um, but I lined up, you know, I had 10 recorded episodes before I even launched the, the podcast. Um, and then I kind of just went into it and, you know, the, the rest is, is kind of history from there. And, and one of the other things I decided to do, um, which the person who was advising me on podcasting said I shouldn't do, was I launched the YouTube channel in parallel. Um, 
And I'm so glad I listened to my intuition at this point because, you know, it's a great way to use two different mediums to reach two different complete audiences. Um, you know, because the podcast overall is 25 to 44 is the average demographic for me. But on the YouTube channel, I'm, I'm reaching a lot in that 18 to 25 that I typically would not have. Gotcha. I love that. Yeah, that is, it's so important to take counsel, but also take it through your own counsel. Like you have things that you know you need to do. And I've heard people say that nobody will know like what's best for us aside from us. And I'm mixed on that. <laughs> like sometimes we can self-sabotage. Sometimes we do know what's best for us. But I do think taking counsel and not like dying on people's words and being like, this is exactly what I'm going to do. But actually thinking about it, bringing in multiple, trusting yourself a little bit too is so important. So I'm glad you did the YouTube too. Yeah, well, I mean, I'll give you a great example of that. Um, I don't know how many people know the story of Tim Cook, but Tim had a successful career in big tech companies and was approached by Apple um, to join them. And at the time, Apple was really struggling. And he went to every advisor and friend that he had, and every single person told him, do not go to Apple. There's no way you can work for Steve Jobs, et cetera. But he thought about it, used his intuition, and took the leap to go there. And you know, now, Many would say he's doing a better job leading the company than even Steve Jobs did. Um, but it was because he trusted his intuition. And the more I've read about Tim, all the major decisions that he's made in his life, it came down to, you know, he'll look at analytics, but ultimately it's the intuition that he has along with it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So now we're going to jump into how people can help you with your dreams and goals. So if there were one or two people that can be specific or types of people that could help you really take the next step towards building the passion struck brand and getting out there in the way that you want to, who would they be and how would they do it? So one of them would be uh, Tom Billiou, who I really look up to. Um, Tom Billiou, um, incredible entrepreneur, started Quest, built that thing into a billion dollar brand. And then um, I have watched and studied what he's doing with impact theory um, in depth. And, you know, the way that he has been able to take that concept and, you know, lucky for him, he's got hundreds of millions of dollars to deploy, um, which, you know, I do not, but, you know, he's taken it from nothing to, you know, having 15 million downloads, you know, a, a month. And he's now, into four or five different podcasts, launching his content into NFTs um, and all kinds of other things. And I think um, his ability to execute on his strategy is beyond none um, that I've seen. So he would be a, a great one for me. And, you know, the other two that I would like to, to meet would be Lewis Howes and, and Jay Shetty. Um, Lewis, from the standpoint of, you know, it, it, his rise to the top has taken him quite the journey to get there. Um, and I think he's learned a lot on the way and could teach me from a standpoint of, you know, what are the lessons and things that he would avoid 
And I, and I think Jay Shetty from a different perspective of, you know, when he came to the scene, his launch to where he is now was meteoric and he didn't have the platform like Tom Billy, you did. So how did he do it? So those, those would be, you know, some, so for me, it's people who are out there in the audience who have wanted to start like a personal brand and then were able to do it and magnify it. You know, how did you, how did you do it? What were the steps that you took? What were the things that you were avo avoiding? You know, how do you build a better email list? How do you build a better following? So, I mean, that's, that's where I can always use for help. And I can always use help every single day of how could I be a better podcaster? You know, how, how could I be a better interviewer? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. There is a guy that I interviewed on the podcast a couple shows ago, like 20 to 30 shows ago. And his name is Alan Lazarus. He's the podcast host of the Next Level You podcast. He actually coaches people on how to become better podcasters. So if that's something, if that's a connection you want me to make, let me know. I would love to make okay. it. Okay. Sure. I mean, I can always, I can always learn from someone else because, you know, there always, there's always something that you can do to tweak what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, what, what are the most important one or two things that everyday people can do to really help you get passion struck out there and get you going where you want to go? Well, I mean, the, the easiest thing is to start listening and subscribing to, to the podcast. You know, I would say the other thing is reaching out to me on, on Instagram, on LinkedIn, wherever it may be. And if there's a topic that you want me to cover that could help a listener uh, in their own life, I'm, I, I'm happy to do it. That's what my Friday episodes are all about. And about half of them now come from questions the listeners are asking. Um, so that would be the, the, the first one. The second thing would be um, to, to join and become part of this passion struck community and become part of what I hope will be millions and millions of people who are really focused on regaining passion and getting to the end of their days, living a regret-free life. Yeah. Gotcha. Sounds good. Well, now we're going to jump into our thriving three. And so the first question is what's your favorite book, movie, or podcast? Pick one. Well, I'm kind of reading two books right now. Um, and I, you know, one of them is uh, called The Gap and the Gain by Dave Sullivan and Benjamin Harding. And that's a really great book because in it, they describe that so many people are living their lives in the gap, you know, and, and to me that equates to they're stuck. The exact thing that I'm uh, kind of equating to in Passion Struck. So people live in the gap and they don't concentrate enough on the gain. And the gain is when you're making incremental improvements in your life. So I think that is a, a great book. Um, another one, um, and I happen to have it next to me, is uh, by David Rubenstein, and it's uh, titled How to Lead. Um, and this is a great book because um, for those who don't know him, he was the founder of Carlisle Group, um, very philanthropic uh, gentleman um, who has access to you know, the top minds in the world. And so what I like about this is he interviews and he just has the raw interviews that he's done with people like uh, Barack Obama, Oprah Winfrey, 
um, Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, Richard, you know, Brinson, and, and so many more. So I think those are two of my favorite books for completely different reasons. You know, one, I think The Gap and the Gain is a great, a great book for explaining how do you get out of that gap and put more gain in your life. So, you know, anything that follows the mission I'm trying to do with Passion Strike, of course, I'm going to support. And I think, you know, How to Lead is just a great book because at the end of the day, the leaders that he interviews um, show their humble side throughout the throughout their answers to the questions he asked. Um, you know, he, he asked Bill Gates, what's the most important thing in his life? And it's, it's his family, you know, it's his kids and making sure that they grow up in a better world, which is why, you know, he and uh, Melinda initially founded the, uh, the Gates Foundation was to start making the world a better place by focusing on issues that would have lasting legacy that he could contribute while he's alive and make a difference. So, you know, I, I think those are two of my, my favorite books right now. And um, as far as a podcast, I've, I've really gotten into the Jordan Harbinger show. And I think Jordan does a phenomenal job um, across a, a wide range of guests and topics. So. I love it. Awesome. What's one way you like to care for yourself? Well, for me, if you're not going to have mental health without physical health. So for me, it's, it's getting in balance with both. So I think you have got to prioritize what's most important to you. So for me, you know, I work on my mental health first. I start out my day uh, by journaling. Um, it's the first thing I do, you know, sometimes it's five minutes, sometimes it's 30 minutes. The next thing I do after that is exercise. So I take my dog every day on a four mile walk. And then after that, um, if I'm not doing a podcast like this, I get into the gym, um, spin class, something so that I get that, um, my endorphins, I get that, you know, stress that I need to relieve. I get clarity, um, of my thoughts when I'm, I'm doing that. And it helps me to really focus and prioritize my day by first journaling, you know, what are the priorities that I've really got to get done today? Where does the focus need to be? Um, but I also use something called the Ivy Lee method. So every day um, I pick five things that are the priorities for the day. And if you put them in order, like if you put exercise and mental health first, and you concentrate on making that your first priority that you do, you'll do it. You'll get in the habit of doing it. So I kind of lay my days out like that. And if you don't accomplish all five things, you either it either gets removed from the list because it wasn't important or it becomes part of the next day's list until you get it done. Sounds good. Sounds good. I like that. And what method was that called? It's called Ivy Lee. Ivy Lee. Gotcha. Love it. Well, what is one action step you can take right now or continue to take if you're already doing it to keep pushing towards your dreams and goals and get those products out there and push the information out there? So when I was at um, Arthur Anderson, we had this huge methodology um, called Method One. 
And Accenture uses the same methodology. We, we used it in Arthur Anderson, uh, you know, and then the two companies split. But when I first started with them, we all went to St. Charles um, in Chicago and were trained on this. And what method one was, was a very comprehensive methodology for how you, how you do large scale IT implementations. So ERP packages, et cetera. Um, but I'm telling you, this thing was so heavy that if you weren't implementing something like Oracle Financials, um, it, it, it could be overbearing on making progress. And so I'm gonna answer your question, but I'm, I'm gonna to get to it in this way. So when I was leading the information security practice, the size of our engagements were a lot smaller. And when I was leading the high growth, um, high growth mid market practice, you know, the clients were a lot smaller. So there was no need for that huge methodology that we had. So I developed my own methodology using what I thought were the most useful parts of theirs. And I developed a six, six step process that I have used continually, both in my professional life and in my personal life. And the six steps are analyze, prioritize, ignite, execute, measure, renew. And, you know, at first, if someone wants to implement this, they might want to do it on a, a month long basis. But the first step that you got to take, and let's, let's take this into a business situation, um, is what is the brutal reality of what's going on in your company, your division, your group, whatever it may be? You know, are employees engaged or not? Are you, do employees understand the difference that they're making to the company and have a line of sight that their efforts are driving sales, driving customer engagement. So the first thing is you got to analyze what is the reality of the situation. The next step is you got to become a mission angler and understand where do you need to go incrementally. And then after that, you, you've got to prioritize the steps. So kind of like the Ivy Lee method, you're prioritizing the right steps you do. And then a step that I think a lot of people leave out is what I call ignite. You know, I found when I was leading groups um, throughout my career, you don't just put out a strategy or priorities and overnight people are going to just jump on board. You've really got to ignite their passion that, you know, why should they be doing this? Why does it matter for them? Why should they be excited about them? What is it going to do for them that's going to make their life better in any way or make them feel better about coming to work? From that standpoint, you've got the momentum now that you can execute. So you execute on the tasks, then you measure the results compared to, you know, your initial analysis, see what gaps remain, and then you start the cycle all over again and you renew it and you just keep doing this again and again and again. And to me, that's how I have found in my own life, I make incremental gains and I can tell you using this in the corporate world, you know, how, how many people become a partner select in a big four firm at 29, or they're the CISO of a fortune 50 company, you know, at, in their early thirties or the CIO Adele in their late thirties, it worked. And it's how you apply that, um, 
that uh, is the most important thing. But as you said earlier, the most critical step you've got to take is making the choice that you're going to do something about it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And what was that second step again? It was analyze. Prioritize. Prioritize, ignite, measure, renew. Uh, execute, measure, renew. Ignite, execute. Awesome. Sounds good. I was just writing it down. <laughs> um, well, awesome, man. Is there anything else you want to chat about before we sign off? Well, how can I help you? How could I help you make your podcast better? You know, what would a win like win look like for you? Yeah, absolutely. A win would look like you just sharing it with your audience, number one, but also any feedback you have for me on how the podcast went, the recording of the podcast. And um, I'd say the biggest win for me is adding to my community. So I have a Discord channel. And in the Discord channel, the goal is for people to get in there post about their dreams and goals, post about who they need to meet. And then we make magic happen by, you know, having that a community that holds each other accountable and inspires action and progress. So I'd say joining the community and like contributing to it with like your dreams, your goals, as well as anybody who's on the podcast right now, if you want the link, just email me or text me and um, yeah, join the community and start making dreams and goals happen. Cause that's why I have this podcast. Yeah. Well, that's great. And I will definitely take some steps after this to do that. You know, I would tell the audience, you know, you talk about the purpose of this show is to help people achieve their dreams. And we often talk about the bucket list. I think one of the most important starting points to anyone on this journey, and it gets back to looking at the reality of your life, is you should first do a reverse bucket list before you do the bucket list. And the reverse bucket list is your done list. So it's all the things that you have done up until this point um, that we often forget about. You know, I mean, a lot of us have self-doubt. We've got confidence issues. We don't think we can make that leap to doing something different. But when you start looking at all the things that you've already done in your life, many of which I think you would look back and think, that's impossible that I could have actually accomplished that. It gives you the confidence that you can then decide what you want the bucket, bucket list to be and then start achieving it. And then the, the biggest step you've got to take after that is you've got to make the choice that you actually want to do something about it. And you know that could be as easy as pick one habit that you want to change. So I, I think in Atomic Habits, he does a great job uh, of explaining this, but I think, you know, a good thing is just lay out in a, in a day, what are all your positive habits? What are all your negative habits? And choose to either double down on a positive one or choose to reverse a negative habit and just make it as simple as that. Maybe you're not journaling today, you know, so the first step is start journaling. And maybe the first time you do it after one minute, you will write down one line and be so bored, fine. The next day, do it again and then do it again. And it's through that repetition, kind of like the process I laid out where you start getting in this repetition that you'll start see incremental improvement. It's kind of like your car gets stuck on the road somewhere in the middle of nowhere and you've got two choices. And imagine we're, we're in 
pre-mobile phone days. You can either sit there, put your hand up and wait for someone openly to come by and help you, or you can start pushing the car or walking to the gas station. And if you do the former, you're completely dependent on someone else to help you. If you do the latter, you know, it's going to be hard at first. You know, maybe you're pushing that car and it feels like it's uphill, but eventually once you get momentum, it's going to feel like it, it flat lines and then it's going to feel like it's on a downward slope. And that's exactly what happens when it comes to, you know, building positive actions, incremental steps in your life. So I would leave the audience with those tips. I love that. I love that. And doing this podcast, you know, I, I just started it. I was like, I'm going to start a daily podcast and I'm just going to go for it. And I feel like what you find is when you really start taking that action and you're mission focused and you're being authentic to who you are, you start to, people around you start to notice and then you start to get help from areas that you never thought you would have gotten help from. So in the pushing the car example, somebody sees you're pushing their car, your car, maybe they pushed their car 20 years ago up a hill and they like stop, pull over and help you or something like that. And you just would not believe the things that happen once you really get started on the path. So, um, yes. I'm right well, and I think, yeah. And I think the last thing I just want to leave you with is by no means at all to your Austin audience was I trying to put down Austin in any way. I think it's an incredible place. My sister still lives in Westlake. I was just there a couple of months ago. Um, and I really miss some of the, um, the, the live music, the great hiking locations. I forgot just how many great places there are to hike around that area, you know, the hill country, um, all the great restaurants and everything else. And, you know, just how much the culture is becoming more of a worldly culture there. So, you know, tons of great things about being in the Austin area. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, on that note, John, thank you for coming on the show. And if you guys are listening to this and you loved what John had to say, and you are a fan of being passion struck or making the people around you more passion struck, make sure to go to the YouTube channel, listen to the podcast, subscribe, like, and share all of John's videos. Thank you guys for watching. John, thank you for coming on the show. As we always ask, send this episode to one or two people you know need to hear it. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes and we're out. Guys, thanks for listening. Make sure to reach out to our guests and help them accomplish their dreams and goals if you resonated with them. If you're looking for any intentional masterminds or one-on-one coaching to accomplish your dreams and goals, make sure to check out the website, workwithtimmydouglas.com and contact me either there or on social media. That's all I got. Have a blessed day.